sins have affected us in three ways. Our sin, singular, and our sins, plural, have affected us Godward, they've affected us manward, and they've affected us Satanward. God, man, Satan. We were born with a singular sin nature that causes us to commit numerous sins. When we accept the truth of Jesus and are born again, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, and then we're crucified with Christ, now dead to singular sin nature. Now we are born and resurrected with the same power that resurrected Jesus. And we have been made to sit with him in heavenly places. Far above principality, powers, rulers of this age, Satan has been disarmed. Giving us abundant victory and life in Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Last week we talked about the blood of Jesus Godward. Today we will learn about the value of the blood of Jesus in a manward way. I'm only going to do two points today. The forgiveness of sins and the purging of our conscience is where we're going to start. Not only is there forgiveness of sin, sins, numerous sins. There's also, you have to know this, there's not only, when you come to Christ, there's not only forgiveness of sins. There's also purging of your conscience. So when you come to Christ, you're forgiven, you're in right standing with him, but there's something wrong within, where you can't live with yourself, where you can't go on, and, and, you're, and you demonstrate a heaviness and a sadness, and, and you don't have a freedom because your conscience has, you do not know that your conscience can be purged. So the forgiveness and cleansing for sin and the purging of our conscience, the Bible says that let us go right in Hebrews 10.22. It says, let's go right into the presence of God. When you go into the presence of God, we need to do it with a sincere heart, fully trusting in Him with our faith. Our guilty consciences, everybody say our guilty consciences. Our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. We're talking about the blood today, manward. Our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Amen. I want to define conscience for you. The word conscience in the Greek, it comes from two words. Son, edesis is the full word. But son means this, together with, always present, always with you, abiding. So son means that. Together, always present, with you, abiding, there all the time. Ido means to know intuitively. It's an inborn truth without conscious reasoning. It's just inborn. That's what your conscience is. Conscience is a witness. It's a moral compass of right and wrong. Everybody's born with a conscience. Romans 2.15 says this, that Gentiles are people that don't even know God. Romans 2.15 says that they demonstrate consciousness towards God. And they demonstrate 
God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience. I'm talking about people that don't know God. Their own consciences and thoughts either excuse them, their conscience excuses them, or tells them that they're doing right. In other words, your conscience is there. I remember when I was a hellraiser and a, and a living for the devil real good and going all out in sin. I knew when I was doing right and I knew when I was doing wrong. When I would get home at night and the ceiling would be spinning and my ears were had that numbness from being in front of the loudspeakers and dancing all night long and doing things in, the, in my body that today I don't even like to talk about it because I'm embarrassed of it. The shameful things you do. But I remember laying on my bed and the ceiling spinning and you're just a deaf loudness knowing how empty I was and how wrong I was and how I needed God. That was the conscience. Conscience is an inborn, innate. It's a faculty of the soul which distinguishes right and wrong. When conscience came alive is when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. At that moment, their conscience became alive where they only knew right. But now they had the ability to know good and evil. Right and wrong. That's why as Christians we need to preserve holiness as much as we can. And preserve the innocence that we have. Because every time we get into things that are ungodly we break a code of innocence. Now there's a code of innocence that's been broken that you've chosen to break. But there's also a code of innocence where you have been violated. There are people in this room that your innocence was violated. You were taken advantage of. You, you were used and abused and violated sexually, physically, and emotionally. And now you sat as a waste and an offspring of what sin does. Leaves you dead on a road. But when they ate, the knowledge of good and evil came. And then all of a sudden, their conscience began to accuse them and, and took them back to that point when they did it and they knew that they had done wrong to now they had to deal with something. That's when guilt came in the world. That's when shame came in the world. That's when condemnation came in the world. It wasn't there. But now that the conscience was alive, it accused them. It took them back to the moment. How many of you are still accused in your inside? How many of you, the enemy still takes you back to that back seat in the car? How many of you, does you, the enemy still take you to that motel room? Or that place on the street? Or that place you were violated in your home by a family member? How many keep having to go back and relive that memory over and over and over? And that shame and that guilt just takes everything you got out of you where you can't even function in this world conscience it's conscience conscience to where now Adam and Eve noticed they were naked to where God had to say who told you you were naked their conscience told them they were naked to where God had to say 
Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? I'm here, same place, same time. I'm here. Where are you? Over hiding in the bushes because he's ashamed. Conscience. Conscience. It's an ever-present, ever-abiding, truth-finder, truth-seeker that you can't get away from. Conscience. You can be forgiven from God, but some people need a conscience purging. Conscience bears witness to the subject, our conduct, our moral sense. Conscience is there with your thoughts. Conscience is ever-present all the time. Conscience can be seared with a red-hot iron. When consciences are seared where your conscience is telling you to be right, conscience can be seared where you keep choosing wrong, and you keep choosing wrong, and you keep choosing wrong. To where it gets to a point where the things that used to detest you and things that used to horrify you, you would would never participate in certain activities. They would be horrifying if you ever did that. When your conscience is seared is when you keep doing it and you get to where you're not horrified anymore. Paul said, not Paul, the minor prophet I can't remember which one, but you can find it with blush in the King James Version. But it says, my people have forgotten how to blush. Blush is where you turn red because you're embarrassed. Blush is where you, you, your face just feels like the blood rushes to your head. You're blushing. The minor prophet said, people don't blush anymore. Because they indulge in wrong because their consciences are seared. The conscience brings strong conviction of wrong and right. The conscience is abiding, always present. It's a witness that comes forward bearing truth to an actual event. Here's the tough part, guys. And I want to talk to you because people need their consciences purged. Here's the tough part. Is that your conscience can beat the fire out of you. Your conscience can beat the living fire out of you. It, it can just spank you. It, it can just get you cowed down to a point that you're like crawling on your belly. And it is not the Holy Spirit doing that. It is not the Holy Spirit because... Uh, it, it, it causes you, your conscience causes you to punish yourself. I need to pay. I need to pay it back. I need to pay for to where you sabotage your future because you don't think you're worthy of anything good because of what you've done. And it paralyzes you. The conscience convicts you of right and wrong. I I really don't, I'm not going to get on this. This is a personal opinion. This is an opinion. I don't think the Holy Spirit convicts. Because people are like, ooh, he just got in false doctrine. It's no big deal. 
where, where I don't think the Holy Spirit convicts. I think the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, according to John chapter 16, verse 8. But he convicts the believer of righteousness and that the enemy has dis, been disarmed and you have victory over him. To me, the conscience is the one telling you right and wrong. Everybody says, well, the Holy Spirit just popped me on the head and, and told me I was doing wrong. I think it's your conscience. I think it's the, it's the, because the Bible even says that the word of God is written on every man's heart. These Gentiles were doing the word and he told the Jews that they hadn't even read the Bible. And he not only said they've not only read the Bible, he said they're living the Bible better than you who have the Bible. That reminds me of Carmen's dad who lives a better Christian life than most Christians do. And I don't even know if he is a Christian or goes to church. But he has a moral compass of right and wrong, and he chooses right. But you can have a moral compass of right and wrong and a conscience and choose right. But if you are not right with God, you're still not going to make heaven. There is no good work. There is no act of kindness. There is nothing that any person can do to merit salvation. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not by works of righteousness we've done. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And it's not of works. Because there can't be any boasting in human beings. It's not of works. But these. um, But the Holy Spirit. To me. The conscience convicts you of right and wrong. I, I won't argue with anybody on that. I told you that's my opinion. If, if it's not yours, just that's, that's those kind you can, I'm not going to die for it. Let it go. However you feel. But either way, we're, we're convicted. Okay? I think the conscience convicts us of right and wrong. Because the Holy Spirit that I know, he doesn't always have his finger in my face. He doesn't always be like... Sheesh. I'm telling you, I I really think it's your conscience. Because if you look back at some of the times that you've said the Holy Spirit's convicting you, is when you heard it like this. Jeez, are you ever going to get this, Chad? You screwed it up again. Holy Spirit don't talk to you that way. Holy Spirit doesn't show frustration. Oh, dog, dog, dog. What's wrong with these guys? Whenever I feel conviction, it's usually, dog, dog, when are you going to get it right, Brian? What'd you just do, man? But I hear the Holy Spirit do this. Brian, you are right with God. Really? Yeah. Brian, these are scriptures. John chapter 16. He convicts the world of sin. And what that means is all of us had the conviction. You can't be saved without the Spirit drawing you. The Holy Spirit conviction is when you're drawn to Christ as a sinner and you say, man, I need a Savior. And then you get saved. But then the Holy Spirit to the believer says this. You're right with God, Brian. Really? Yeah. So lift your head up. Brian, did you know that the enemy has been disarmed? The Holy Spirit tells you that. I can prove all these in Scripture. You know what else he does? He says, Brian, God loves you so much. You know what else? Everybody says the Holy Spirit gives you power to witness. Hebrews, two places in Hebrews it says, this is the witness of the Spirit. 
He writes his word on your heart, and then he also says to you, your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Yes. That, that, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's cool, man. He's kind. Uh, here's what the Holy Spirit does. When you're convicted, I think by your conscience, the Holy Spirit shows you truth. He's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do the right thing. The Holy Spirit writes his word in our heart. He, he, he does these things. He tells you that, that you're loved. Look at Hebrews 9.14. How much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, I want you to see that. How much more? We're talking about the blood. What good is the blood of Jesus for man? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, he offered himself to God, purge, that says purify, King James says purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I want to talk about purging in a couple ways. Dead works are anything that you do to earn merit or deserves God's favor and forgiveness. When he purges us from dead works, that's that person that says, I got to pay for my wrong. God really can't be happy with me. I don't deserve this. I got to pay for it. I got to make it right. I'm never good enough. You're never clean enough. You never can do enough. We have to be delivered from an evil conscience. You're never good enough. You can never do enough. You can never be enough. You can never do that, brothers and sisters. You can't do it. I've tried. You can't perform yourself. We need purged or delivered from an evil conscience that serves God with dead works. Those works are dead. They can't free you. You can give all your money to the poor. You can say you're sorry a hundred times. You can torture yourself day after day after day for a decision you made. I feel the Holy Spirit saying this. Wife or husband, if there's been infidelity, quit throwing it in their face every day. God's trying to purge conscience, but you remind all the time. But the people that do that, you need to come forward at the end of this service and ask God to give you a new heart and love for your spouse. And you need to go at it the Holy Spirit way instead of your way. Because God can give you love for your spouse. God can make it to where you hear her name or his name where you just don't fly off the handle and start putting them down. God can change you. God can heal. He does it all the time. You owe, you don't deserve, you must pay back. Here's another one. Look at Hebrews 10.2. If you guys can get this in KJV up there, please. Hebrews 10.2, KJV. Let's read this together. Is that, new, is that KJV? Huh? Read this with me. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. See, in the Old Testament, 
the worshipers had to keep sacrificing. They had to keep doing it. Because the blood of bulls and goats could not, it could only cover the sin. It couldn't take away the sin. But when Jesus, the Lamb of God, offered his blood sacrifice, he only did it one time. Jesus isn't dying again. I've heard preachers get up here and say, Jesus, did I say something wrong? Jesus doesn't continue to die and die again. Did I say that? Okay. I thought I said something wrong. Okay. Jesus doesn't die every day again. Okay? He doesn't die every day again. He died once. I've heard preachers say, every time you sin, every time you do wrong. And they take that one scripture out of context say, you're crucifying the Lord Jesus again. Boy, how's that edify you? Read that in context, Mr. Religious Person that wants to hammer people all the time and live in your self-righteousness. I I can't stand self-righteousness. God can't either. Self-righteousness stinks. Thinking you're more holy than others, you're despicable. Judgment about other race, ethnic backgrounds, where we think we've got it. I have seen people go to Africa and India, American, American, haughty missionaries without humility, go over there and walk like kings and gods on a pedestal. Mm-mm. There needs to be a humility, a humility. Jesus, the Lamb of God, offered himself once and for all. The priests stood daily ministering. They had to keep busy. They had to be busy taking care of everybody's sins and taking care of all the... Jesus did it once, baby. Once. Woo! Glory to God. He did it once. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And Ephesians says that we are crucified with Christ. And we too are put up in heavenly places. And we're supposed to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Conscience of sin brings fear, guilt, shame, and condemnation. When the blood of Jesus has been believed in and accepted by faith, my conscience at once is purged and cleansed from fear, fear, guilt, memory, shame, and condemnation. It's removed. If God is satisfied with the blood of Jesus, then we have to trust and be satisfied. If God has forgiven us, then we must forgive ourselves. The blood is enough. Thank you, Jesus. I think we're going to stop right there today. Father, in Jesus' name, bless the Lord, O my soul. Right now, with only the worship team moving, it's time to experience God. We've heard the word. 
Now it's time for the Word to become flesh. Jesus, the Word, on the pages, came alive, and He walked with us, and we handled Him, and we touched Him, and we saw it. It wasn't just words. We saw action. We saw the Word in the flesh active and alive. Today with faith, you've heard the Word. Mix the Word with faith and action. The blood, mix the Word with faith and action, and then that Word becomes living, and you can experience a miracle in your physical body. You can, feel, you can experience an emotional Miracle, do you know last week there was a lady that came to our church that heard about us in the supermarket and they said that it's hard to find a church that will lay hands and pray for you because a lot of them don't do that anymore and they were told that if you go to church on the rock you can be prayed for to be healed and this woman was just given a few weeks to live. I've had people come and say, I want to have a baby. There's no way I should have a baby. There's no way this, uh, this baby should be alive. Look at this one right here. This one ain't supposed to be here. The Word of God is living, is breathing, is healing, is moving today, in this hour, in this place. When I was worshiping today, the Lord showed me there was just a blanket on people where they feel guilt and shame, violated. You heard the message today. I need you people to come forward. That you don't have joy. That your conscience continually is a finger in your face. There's a memory. There's a picture. There's a place and a time where you were violated. Where your code of innocence, you broke it or somebody else broke it. And you're the victim that can't function now. Come, please, come today.